Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. Boy, aren't you the chipper one. By the way, I'm Bill Knight, in case you were wondering. I mean, I know that uh, I'd recognize I you anywhere. I face that I can look like different people. With those blue piercing eyes and cat-like movements, I knew it was you. <laughs> anyway, uh, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, it seems like we say that every day, but it's true because there are a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I heard something interesting, Bill, yesterday. We've been talking about what's happening in the Ukraine and the tensions with Russia and stuff like that. I heard that mm-hmm. Putin has moved to a secret, undisclosed location, a shelter of some sort. And well, why they can't would you do that it. unless you're getting ready to flip a switch and press a button? Well, I think that uh, that could be a possibility. I've heard that his shelter is quite uh, nice. It's not your ordinary shelter. Uh, I heard it's uh, a place that you can stay in for a long period of time and be comfortable. Well, I wouldn't worry about it here unless, of course, you know, there's action being taken here in in these here United States that we're worried about it because then that means that something's up. And uh, so, well, our administration hasn't moved any shelter. As a matter of fact, today, I believe uh, Biden is flying to Florida to uh, look at the damage caused by Hurricane Ian. And then he'll skip over to Puerto Rico where he said that he will get every ounce of dollars he can to help them rebuild. Well, he actually went there yesterday. Yeah, he went to Puerto Rico yesterday, so I can't see him going back twice no, in three he'll days. No, he'll just reiterate that he's going to give them money. And uh, Oh, by you the know, way, uh, the other side has come down pretty heavy on DeSantis uh, saying that the uh, hurricane was his fault. How was it? Well, he they're saying that it, he should have given an earlier warning to the people of Florida. I don't know how that is. Everybody who, who I, I hear on the radio from Florida says that the warning was amazing. He was talking about it like two weeks before it happened. He was giving, he had utility trucks stationed at the key locations around Florida uh, in, in preparation to be dispersed and deployed. Well, let's look back to 2020 when there was this COVID thing going on. Trump was on it. He had things in place and going on. And Dr. Fauci undermined him, and then all of a sudden, Trump didn't get the word out, and Biden was going to take care of everything, and we all know the history now. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Democrats did lie, uh, and they 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 didn't they 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 let loose the virus. We know that Fauci did. Mm-hmm. Democrats used it as an opportunistic thing, and their story was. Trump didn't know what to do. He didn't react soon what's enough. The, what's the saying? Never, they're saying is never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that they're they're looking at this hurricane, and they're trying to t- make some kind of relationship. Do you remember what uh, just a couple of days ago uh, the vice president said that she believed that minorities suffered more from the hurricane than other peoples, and uh, they should get preferential treatment when it came to supplies and rebuilding the state. And people, including minorities in the state, looked at her like cross-eyed. Like, what the heck is she talking about? A hurricane doesn't uh, judge people on their race. It hits everybody hard the all at once at the same time, you know? Yeah, I mean, talk about a racist statement. But, you know, she wants equity versus equality. And they're taking the, the those two lines and blurring them, thinking they can get away with it and rewrite what everything is really about. Everybody that got hit, no matter what level you're at, needs to be built back as best you can to the level they were at beforehand. 
which can never be done, but at least we can make the best effort to get things rolling again. There's a housing crunch now in in Florida because the homes were wiped out. Heard something interesting. I didn't realize this, but Carmela is, I guess she's, uh, is she part Indian and part Jamaican? I believe that's her uh, her lineage. And her the Jamaican part of her were slaveholders. Apparently they were one of the largest slaveholder families in Jamaica, her family. And here she is lecturing us about race. You couldn't write these stories. You couldn't make these stories up. Well, I think even the Democrats realize they got to jettison that baggage because she's Jamaican everybody crazy. I missed that. My uh, my little uh, computer over on the side here that listens all the time just uh, rang a bell and made some noise. And, and said uh, I was a ding-ding. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> they're always listening. You got to be careful. And another interesting thing, we're talking about... Uh, the nuclear situation and you know i can't believe that we actually are sitting here talking about the possibility of a nuclear attack and i well, are we preparing for anything anywhere well or that's interesting you should say that because in at least two states they're running psas about uh, the nuclear situation like this here Just know that the big one has hit, okay? So what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two, stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you've got this. You know, I think that's a dishonest uh, announcement. I'll tell you why. That's for New York City. And that's dishonest all the way through because that is not well, going to protect If I were producing a PSA for New York City in case of a nuclear attack, my, mm. my PSA would be uh, uh, place your head between your legs and, and kiss. kiss your goodbye because uh, there's no going inside and sheltering in the basement and get away from a window. That's not going to happen if they set off a nuclear device in New York City. Well, here's what we need to explain. Okay, so let's set this up. Putin has now gone into a secluded secret bunker, mm -hmm. which is a wartime act to protect your leader. You want to protect your leaders. He has signaled that he's not kidding, and we're saying all Russian troops are surrendering, surrendering this and that, and we did hit his pipeline. That's pretty much... The Nordic Stream, it's pretty right. much a foregone conclusion we did it, which is a blatant attack and act of war. So with that said, 
we've done this attack. It's an act of war. He's gone into a bunker. And one other key thing. What are we afraid of? The nukes flying over mm -hmm. or something more sinister and more deadly because they don't have one. Right. They don't have two, but I believe they have four or four of yep. these. And June was when they got the super first sub. one. Yeah, the super subs. And it is, I believe it was, they, it was contracted to them. It was made for them. So, well, the Russians don't know how to build anything. Well, this one yeah. is a yeah. bad-ass mofo. <laughs> and, this is. Uh, they are They're being very serious. In the meantime, I don't think we are. Being very, they ran a similar PSA, by the way, in New Jersey. So they're running them in multiple states. Uh, All along the eastern seaboard. Now, what can do it? Well, they're these submarines. Now, we have nuclear submarines too, but ours, which have been the big bad boys for a long, long time, aren't as bad as these because these can sneak over underwater like ours can, but even more silently. They have. What was it you said? They have drones that can yes, go in. Yes, they have and underwater cause a drones. Tsunami. Yep, they cause a nuclear tsunami. It'll flood a city, flood an area, and then the residue will be nuclear falloff. They have the uh, they have the the missiles that are in them, the nuclear tip missiles. They could even be hypersonic in nature. Who knows? Uh, which that's that's scary in and of itself. It can be right at our doorstep, and there you know, it is. You know how dishonest the uh, the media is. I found this out this morning, but nobody's talking about it. In 1982, the CIA destroyed a Siberian pipeline. We went into Russia and destroyed a Siberian pipeline in 1982. We have a history of doing this. Yeah. This wasn't the first time, but nobody in the darn media is talking about it. So, you know, Obama was right about something. You know, and although I think he's orchestrating all this, that, you know, the United States is too big for its own good. So they're tearing us down and they're throwing us into war because there's some bigger thing. But the other thing that that sub has, going back to the sub, mm -hmm. is it doesn't have just ordinary torpedoes. These torpedoes have nuclear capabilities yield so they can fire that torpedo it can go right up the shore and sit there and detonate mm -hmm. and take out new york city can take out uh in jersey so and we took out his money we took out the money of russia which is their pipeline so tit for tat you know we, you, if we you, took you, out a major city you can only hope that some of the stories we've heard about, the secret weapons that we have that nobody talks about, you can only hope that they're true. I, I think specifically of the rods of God. The rods of God supposedly are a, are a weapon system that is, it, it sits in, on satellites in orbit and can be targeted instantly on different cities in different locations on the globe. Uh, well, there was there was rumors of it's being tested a while back. Yeah, if that's the case, then forget the hypersonic. You know, forget the hypersonic missile. <clears throat> it can hit these locations before they get out of the silo. I mean, they, if they see the doors on the silo open up, the rods of God supposedly can take out the uh, the weaponry. Now, 
whether it can see submarines, that's something else altogether. But we don't know whether the rods of God, which I've heard many people talk about as being real, we don't know whether it's real. We don't know whether this is just folklore or whether it's really something that we have. Well, I believe the capability of seeing a sub underwater from your eye in the sky is 1,500 feet, which is a long way down, but it's not as far down as these subs today can go and maneuver at high speeds. And if there's one thing that the American Navy and the Russian Navy knows, they've mapped out, even though it's not entirely mapped to everybody's precision, but they know how low they can go. They know the trenches. They know everything about that ocean floor. I would also think they have sensors on the floor of the ocean, deep water sensors that they put in place. So that, you know, like 7,500 feet down, maybe, maybe they can't get down there on a regular basis to patrol it. But if you have underwater sensors that are located on the floor of the ocean that can send a signal back saying, Hey, there's a big submarine passing by here, you know, uh, that's better than nothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, You'd have to have a relay of stations, though, that that could communicate to yeah. because um, high-frequency signals underwater don't work. It's got to be a low-frequency signal. And for it to transmit a long ways, it would have to be huge. So, well, I mean, who's to say it isn't? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying I can't imagine that they haven't thought about this stuff. By the uh, way, if, if we've thought about it, the Russians have thought about it. And uh, it's always a game of chess, you know? We make a move, they make a move. We make a move, they make a move. I don't know. See, that's something, you know, I can guess and all that stuff. But um, to be honest, uh, it's I'm out of school on that, what, what the capabilities and technology is. I just know the signals that we're hearing – you know, that four subs have been deployed, the four new subs. Yep. They were built for a reason, and we might get to know the reason. And then it was nice knowing a lot of people because oh, we're, we're on the East Coast. Um, and, and two, Putin has gone into hiding. And three, he said, I am not messing around. He said that the other day. Yeah. And now all of this stuff. Now, that doesn't mean this couldn't be stopped. It means that somebody better pick up that phone, that hotline, and say, we got to talk, we got to find a way out that's good for both of us to save face. The other reason why he may be in hiding is because he may be concerned with assassination plots. Yes, uh, that was one of the things that I thought about, too, because well, one of his general's daughters got taken out. We missed, right. or the, somebody missed. A lot of people in uh, Russia, I'm sure, don't want to, to get involved in a nuclear a war with the United States, and maybe they figure if they take out Putin, that won't happen. So uh, maybe someone said, hey, it's, it'll be to your benefit if you uh, seek shelter now and don't tell us where you're going. Well, uh, the only way to win in a nuclear situation is to have ultimate first strike capabilities. Do we have that or a first strike defense system? You know, we're, know. we're hearing about all these secret subs that the Russians have. But we don't know what we have. We don't know whether no, we, we don't. have. We don't know whether we have subs that are equally as deadly as that or worse. We don't know. Well, I can tell you this: we didn't get it in the past year and a half since Biden's been in office. Oh, I can, I can, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. There, he has done nothing but uh, make our 
our military weaker. It would take at least four years to build it, so you do the math. Other story that we're looking at, uh, Tony Bobolinsky, who had that famous interview with Tucker Carlson in October of 2020, that was absolutely ignored by the mainstream media. I mean, he even talks about it in this interview that he did uh, a couple of days ago on Fox. Uh, he says that he did this interview. He, he laid himself bare. He told the truth. It was something which he was sure the FBI would follow up on because it showed corruption. Uh, and uh, it, they interviewed him, and then they forgot all about it. Uh, they, they didn't just, forget about it. They ignored all about it. Well, yeah, that too. He talks about who the boss was, who the real boss of this whole uh, business deal was. He says it was Joe Biden, so much so that they called him the chairman of the board. There are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in, uh, in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. You know, it's amazing when they had the uh, debates and President Trump brought up this uh, this business deal that's supposedly mm. Hunter was involved in. You know, I can remember so distinctly Biden saying, I have no knowledge of my son's dealings. The only one who has had dealings in that area is you, meaning Trump, you know. And Trump just looked incredulous. Like, What's, what? What are you talking about? But uh, so uh, this guy, Bobolinsky, says the big guy, the guy who was in charge of the whole the whole plan, the whole business deal was Joe Biden. Everything kind of went back towards him. I mean, he didn't go over to China and make the deal. He sent his representatives over, and he always got a piece of everything. Now, Tucker Carlson said, did, did uh, Hunter actually get any money? And here's what he said. Was involved. So. How much did Hunter expect to make from his business dealings with the Chinese? Mm. So not only Hunter, I, uh, I wasn't interested. They, you know, they had to work on me for years to sort of, you know, call it, come off the bench and get involved here. In the spring of 2017, I expected CFC was going to deploy billions of dollars through Sinohawk. Um, and I was focused on taking those billions of dollars and making a return on it. Um, and I expected to make hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the Bidens probably thought they were going to make billions of dollars. How much do you think Hunter in the end got from this, from diverting this money? Do you think he received the money? So he definitely received the money. I mean, the, the, the bank statements have been made public. You know, he received over $5 million, and then I think an incremental $1 million uh, in a legal consulting fee to represent um, Patrick Ho, uh, which is a story in itself. So this seems very cut and dried. Black and white. Mind you, uh, Hunter Biden had nothing to sell but Joe Biden. Because right. Hunter Biden by himself was of no value. <laughs> Under Biden was, uh, he, he didn't have any expertise, any business expertise. All he was doing was selling the Chinese access to the vice president of the United States and all of his power. And Joe knew it. Hunter knew it. Now, Tony Bobolinsky talks about the money. I mean, he got, Hunter Biden got $5 million in one chunk and then several million dollar increments. 
I'm sure that the Bidens aren't the only ones that got money in this deal. Though. Well, his his brother James got it. And what was interesting mm. in, in this interview, the FBI interviewed uh, Bobolinsky. Long interview. I think he said it was several hours. In the middle of the interview, he gets a, a phone call on his on his iPhone, mm. and he looks down, and it's from James Biden. Of course. He hadn't talked to James Biden in quite some time. So he shows it to his lawyer. The lawyer looks surprised. The FBI agents say, hey, listen, we'll step out of the room. You can take that call. They get up. They leave the room. He flips the phone on, and he he answers it, and there's nothing there. No one's on the other end. And he doesn't know whether he was too late answering the phone or whether it was a sign or a message from James Biden saying, we know exactly where you are right now, and we know exactly what you're doing. You better watch out. You know? And, well, there's a lot of signs it could be. It could be that somebody alerted James Biden well, that, hey. That's how he would know. That's how he they would know he, you know. He would know that Bobolinsky was sitting in the uh, hot yeah. seat, you know, uh, because somebody like, uh, was it Chris Ray? Is that his name? Christopher Ray, the, uh, yeah. the FBI director? might have called James Biden just to let him know. Or, or maybe he called the, the president and said, hey, you know, Bobolinsky's, uh Well, you know, you go back uh, to the uh, the Ukraine, the power thing, where uh, Biden was bragging about, uh, you know, uh, a deal going on. And I'll be a son of a bitch if they didn't change, you know, where he said that famous line. Yep. You know, Biden was a liar since the beginning of his political career and you could sit there and go step by step by step. He is a racist. He is, he's, but now all of a sudden he's, he's Mr. You know, civil rights guy. And you know, any, any person of color should realize, cause they've heard it from civil rights. Attorneys, oh yeah. Once a racist, always a oh, racist. Hey, he was also pro-life for the longest time. He was a solid pro-lifer as, as recently as like 2005. He was and making, he was a devout Catholic too, so he's a hypocrite. Well, he still calls himself a devout Catholic. Even oh, though, he's not. He can't be. Well, yesterday he was having a a, a a task force meeting on abortion because they want to they want to do something. Okay, they want to get something going, even though it's been uh, Roe versus Wade has been uh, discarded and and uh, taken off the the books as being a law. Uh, they want to change that. But here's this guy who calls himself a devout Catholic, and he's he's pushing ahead, trying to figure some way of making abortion uh, legal. But they had this this task force meeting in the White House, and the one of his aides says, "Okay, that's enough press. You got to leave now. They have to get down to business or something like that." And as they're walking out, they're asking questions. And Biden, I wish I could show this to you. Biden is puts his head in his two hands, and he's looking at him leaving. And he, he smiles the most evil smirk, the most evil smile. And he says something like, only in this country would they do that, or something like that. I'm going to play. Here's what he said. you got to listen carefully. But the, the smirk that he has on his face is satanic. Um, we're now going to move to the closed press portion of our task force meeting. So thank you very much. Press 
else in the world that does this? Among the only press in the world that does this, seriously, seriously, seriously. But it's it's but you got to see his look. It's a look of absolute disdain towards the press, like ooh, you vile human beings. Um, I, I you can check that by the way. You go, it's online right now. I'm sure if you go to some news site, you'll uh, you'll see it. Other things that are going on in the world. Um, I thought this was funny, but I got to play this. There was a uh, two guys down in Florida being asked about uh, are they satisfied with uh, what's happening as far as getting supplies and stuff shipped to them, <laughs> and yeah. and their response was was cute. You got to listen carefully. That shit about DeSantis, but that gas is here in Arcadia. In, in Arcadia. I don't know why the rest of y'all, but it's here in Arcadia. So y'all know who we voting for. <laughs> I don't know why the rest of you motherfuckers, but I'm voting for DeSantis. And I'm a Democrat. So y'all can call it what the fuck y'all want to call it. We got children now. Okay, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. Yep, they... Uh... <laughs> You know, there's actually two things he said in that that were kind of funny. You know, well, I'm a Democrat and I can call it what the yeah. I want to. Yeah. You know, isn't that the the Democratic way? We can we can do it what the we want to and we'll yeah. call it what the we want to. But they're voting right for DeSantis. The yeah, yeah, because even a Democrat that's a Democrat and a diehard Democrat knows when they're getting screwed by their own party. It's true. Um so they uh, they're they're satisfied. Those are uh, those are happy residents in the state of Florida with what's going on. Things are getting back to normal in their lives, which is good to see. Um, another thing that was interesting, MSNBC did an interview with a family in El Paso. They were Latinos, the the family, and they were they were very surprised and put off with the response from this Latino family. This is MSNBC. You got to hear this. She wants the party to take stronger action on issues like abortion and voting rights. But our poll found that the top issues for Latinos was actually the cost of living. We see that prices are through the roof, and we want to know what people are going to do to help put that burden down. In conservative stronghold states like Texas, signs of a political shift among Latino voters, with more now leaning Republican. Jose Arriola and Maria Batres live in El Paso. Maria. You were a Democrat, and you are now a Republican. Why? Because uh, the fact that the Democratic Party has changed a lot, and I identify more with the uh, Republican Party. What things? Well, we're for God, country, family, and hard work. Jose used to vote blue, too. Now he's also a Republican and most concerned with immigration and beefing up border security. What are the concerns that you have about immigration? The fact of the matter is that we, you know, we don't feel safe anymore. We don't feel safe anymore. These are Latinos living in El Paso. They're kind of on the front lines of the immigration process. They don't like the people coming across the border. Well, what have Democrats attacked? They have attacked religion. Core, right. core religious and, and basic values, and they've gone after the Roe versus Wade thing. And, you know, abortion, which, you know, you look at Beto O'Rourke, and he's going to sit there and take it full term, and thereafter, you know, he doesn't care if uh, if, if a child that beats the abortion at nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't feed him. Cut off everything to him. Let him die. Just let him die. That's the Beto O'Rourke abortion policy. You don't want the kid after it's born. That's okay. Aborted at birth. 
these people are evil. And now they do say that voter registration is up with women going Democrat because of the abortion thing. And I think on any topic out there, you can find a pool of people that can be used to sway an election. But the Democrats have misread the Hispanic population. I grew up in California, and I can tell you that they are family-valued people. And I can tell you that, you know, you talk about blue laws and Sunday you can't buy alcohol, malls aren't open. You, you couldn't count on the Hispanic population to come to your tent sale on a Sunday, you know, or come buy booze from you on a Sunday. Not that they don't drink booze, you know, we all do, but let's, mm-hmm. they, that was a time of reverence and family. Mm-hmm. They would go to church and then they would go home and be with their family. But the Democrats have had all these decades to figure that out and they can't get it through their damn heads that these people are good people and they have good values and you don't own them. Well, they're surprised. I mean, MSNBC, they're, they look, they're, they're stupid. If you saw the video, the, the reporter looked like amazed. You mean, you're really going to vote for a Republican and you're, you're Hispanic because they're so used to pigeonholing people. You know, the left well, is so used to saying, okay, you're Hispanic and you're black. So you're a Democrat. You have to be that way. Well, they do that with the black people, too. That's and again, that is a miscall for blacks, Hispanics, and everyone. They, they they made an assumption. And I hate to say it, the only people that tend to be bad in this scenario are the stupid white people that are sitting there going, and they're mostly Democrats, but I'm sure there are Republicans on it, too. They're, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in values. They don't care about a damn thing but themselves. The most racial aware people in our society of the left. They're always looking at somebody because of their skin color. They're evaluating you based upon what your, your melatonin is. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, that to me is, is, is sad. I mean, most conservatives judge you for what you are as a person. You a good guy? You a good gal? You're a, a good citizen? You do the right things. You contribute. You try to be somebody who is worthy of being uh, an American. That's all they care about. They don't care about uh, what your skin color is. I mean, when I was in the service, and I was not in the, I was not in any situation that was critical. But I mean, what you looked like disappeared. You were one color. You were khaki, meaning you wore all wore the same uniform. I think a lot of conservatives feel that way. A lot of people on the left. They're always looking at a racial situation. They're the people who developed this whole woke thing. You know, they're the people who kind of push this Black Lives Matter thing. Do you remember back in the 90s and, and the late 80s? We, we'd gotten through the racial thing. We had really developed and come a long way from the 60s. We were becoming one. We were recognizing people for, for uh, the content of their character as, as opposed to the color of their skin. We still have a long way to go, but we were we were on the right track. But we have gone so far backwards, you know, since, you know, the well, uh, even in the past year and a half. I mean, I remember this guy, if he really did win, and that's a debate that uh, for another time, but he was going to be the uniter, uni, uh, the uniter. You know, we the people, it's time for us. We the people. Well, he, he said he I will was be the to. guy to bring everyone together. Yeah. He made that promise. He made that promise over and over and over again. 
yet look at every hateful thing that he has said. He is not uniting. He is dividing. And I think even people that say that they did vote for him do realize that. Well, you need to let that sink in and marinate a little bit and see where we are as a society. Listen to how he talks about the MAGA people. We must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. Does that guy sound like a united to you? That oh, sounds like, he sounds like oh. a divider. Ooh, big time. That's a calm speech. That's a calm oh, yeah. speech. That's not him screaming. That's not the one he did in Philadelphia when his hands were, his fists were clenched and he was, he was yelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a whole different uh, Joe Biden. You know? That was borderline insane. Yeah. We're not going to let anyone or anything tear America apart. I'm going to close with this. We're at a serious moment in this nation's history. And again, use the word three times, that's not hyperbole. We're literally in a battle for America's soul. I know I've been saying it for a year and a half, but I mean it. Extreme MAGA Republicans just don't threaten our personal economic rights. They embrace political violence. Think about it. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They threaten our very democracy. That's not hyperbole. Unbelievable. We embrace violence. The MAGA people embrace violence. In 2020, the only violence we saw was from the left. In the cities, mm-hmm. you know, when they were looting stores and burning down police precincts and trying to tear down federal courthouses. Now, the interesting thing is they're the ones that did that and said, let's defund the police. But now they've turned that thing around to say, well, you know, we are, we have been pro-law enforcement in America, and it's the Republicans that want to defund the police. Oh, my God. I, I find going, that amazing. I find that amazing, Bill. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know. If my eyes lies a lie, my ears don't. And they didn't team up on me to sit there and tell me, you know, the big lie that that we were are talking about, which goes back to the election too. Big lies, yeah, they do exist, but not from whom the finger is being pointed. Speaking of the election and big lies, this is interesting. Uh, this came out yesterday. Uh, Koenig, that's K-O-N-N-E-C-H. I think you pronounce it Koenig. Uh, Koenig CEO Eugene Yu, that last name is spelled Y-U. He was arrested yesterday in Los Angeles County in connection with theft of personal data. or pers- Yeah, personal data. The alleged stolen data belonged to poll workers and was the subject of True the Votes uh, investigation in Arizona last August, where Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, who were the producers of 2000 Mules, singled out that co- that uh, company. So he was taking personal data information on poll workers. He was sending it to China. Now, why did China want that information? Unless they were trying to influence our elections. 
Well, yeah, they want to influence our elections and they want to know who is their enemy of disinformation because they got their disinformation out uh, and they want to know who's trying to, uh, who's, who's the, um, who's the defense of it to keep it or the offense of it. Well, whatever. I got my terms backwards. <laughs> I think I got. I I've been sitting here too long with you. I actually kind of understood what you said. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm yeah. I'm trying to learn how to talk like Biden because I think that's the only way that's I can true. communicate to a Democrat. What, what you have to do is say say no joke, say no joke, and say no seriously. joke. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm not seriously. Kidding. I'm telling the truth this time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing that was interesting a couple of nights ago, Nancy Pelosi was a guest on uh, Stephen Colbert's show. By the way, the most unfunny late-night talk show host on the planet. Uh, he is about as interesting as a kick in the groin. You know, he doesn't have good ratings, yet he is quoted all the time for, you know, I think that show is a political hack show, so it they is. can take this and throw it out there. Yeah. That's all they're doing. Yeah, they have no ratings. As a matter of fact, you know, Steve, um, uh, Gutfeld on Fox... Mm -hmm. It's on Fox, right? They have no budget compared to Colbert's budget. And uh, Fox is a cable network, and CBS is the network that carries Colbert. And Gutfeld has higher ratings. Gutfeld has a bigger audience than Colbert, yet everybody... And by the way, they get trained seals to sit in the audience, and they they clap and they cheer like... Uh, yeah, and somebody's throwing fish from the sideline. There. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. But you got to hear this. This is Nancy Pelosi, and she's telling you why she's convinced they're going to win the elections in 30 days. What is your prediction for the election that's a little bit more than a month away? Madam Speaker, you have the floor. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I believe that we will win the ha hold the ha House. And we will hold the House by winning more seats. Uh, we won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some in the Trump districts. Uh, but we held, in, held enough seats to hold the House with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. <laughs> videotapes fumigated. You, perhaps you could yeah. leap that no out. Worries, okay. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> it is a family show. <laughs> but what gives you the confidence to well, do that? Because that. all the prognosticators, certainly six months ago, they said it was going to be this crazy red wave. Mm -hmm. Now it looks likely that the Democrats will hold the Senate, but there is still a slight favor for the Republicans to take the House. Well, okay. So you ready? Always. Okay. Here's the thing. When we won in 2020, and again, fewer seats, but still holding the House, we started right away to prepare for the next election in terms of organization, own the ground. When you mobilize, you must own the ground to take out the vote. You have to do that with inspiration and in how we put together our messaging. And that's the second M. And the third is money. So we're getting ready for the election. That was in December of 2020. In January 6th, you know what happened, an ins uh, insurrection incited by the President of the United States on the U.S. Capitol, on our Constitution, on our democracy. The greatest influx of candidates came forward. Young people, people of color, people of different generations, different backgrounds, and the rest, the beautiful diversity of America came forward. 
They didn't pay attention to those pundits who said you can't win. They went in with courage and confidence that they could win. So when Roe v. Wade came down, boom, we were totally ready. And that just caused a whole different attitude on the part of some. Dreaming, I'm always dreaming. I think but she's she dreaming. Gave herself away. <laughs> she gave herself away. Well, what do you think she gave herself? What? How did she well, give herself she away? She said that when the election happened, they already hit the ground. Right away, you got to own the ground. And they were already planning for the midterms and this next election, which means, which is why Nancy Pelosi needs to be subpoenaed. And talk about her meetings pre-January 6th in the election because it was a rally. It was not an insurrection, but they had that insurrection agenda already put in place, and it started right at that time. It, they didn't let the they didn't let the sun set before they sat there and hit with their in, insurrection. And it was shortly after that that everything was put into play. And this is all just a roadmap, a plan to sit there and, you know, lay out a bunch of lies. Well, I'm hoping that she, uh, she's wrong. I'm hoping that you're wrong. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. And I'm hoping that the red wave does happen. And, uh, we do have success in the fall, but, uh, two reasons that I say that, uh, there's a problem. Number one, I don't think that it's for lack of people not wanting to go out and vote red. I think. They do, and that probably will happen. Uh, but with that said, I still think the still is in place. And I also believe there is a chance, mm -hmm. a damn good chance, that there will not be an election in November. Funny you should say that, Bill, because they're talking about if they can get some kind of a nuclear attack. They, they, I heard this. If the Russians were to use one of the limited-yield nukes in the Ukraine, uh -huh, listen, that would uh, put us on a different level of uh, alertness in this country, and they could have a military a martial law situation in this country, and they could suspend the elections. Now, it's funny you should say the limited-range weapons because there's opinion pieces out there now saying, well, you know, the United States realized a long time ago that those limited-range missiles and stuff like, they're just a waste, yada this, yada that. Mm-hmm. Well, we are basically an isolated country. Do we have to worry about south of the border with a nuclear attack? Really don't think so. Canada's going to lob a missile at us? Don't think so. It's going to come over the top from Russia or under the bottom from Russia or China. Over, under, doesn't matter mm -hmm. with supersonic. So in that case, our tactical short-range missiles um, aren't in place. But I do happen to know, and I can tell you, off mic why I know this, mm -hmm. that we are lying through our God-blessed teeth about short-range tactical missiles because they are in place again. They've been put in place again, and they are sitting strategically there. Mm -hmm. But we were sitting there making fun in this piece, probably without that knowledge, whoever wrote the piece, uh, that, oh, well, we came to the conclusion a long time ago, it's waste. Yeah, we, we it's heard touting. That. It's touting Russia. Now, where Russia sits, you know, the 2,400 short-range or 7,400 short-range tactical mm -hmm. nukes, it makes perfect sense to have those because they are surrounded with potential enemies, which is what this war is all about anyway, NATO. 
They don't want it on their doorstep. This thing, this, this conflict should have never happened, but it did. And well, we're sitting there pushing the buttons of that, pulling the strings. Well, uh, time will tell. I have a feeling it'll be this month. Whatever's going to happen, they want to have a major crisis so that we don't have an election. That's That would be the ideal situation, uh, that we would be in a situation where they would have a martial law uh, and they would suspend the elections in November. Well, the other thing that could happen, we could have the election and then something happens right on the cusp of it. Well, they, the votes are in, but we've had to halt the, the tallying of it. Everything is frozen in place mm -hmm. right now because we have an issue out here. Let's And, and then they, they freeze the government. And that would give them time and a big diversion to sit there and go on and say, wow, we lost this thing. All right, let's fix it now under the guise of the threat of war. I don't know if you've heard this or not, uh, but Chris Cuomo has got a new job. Did you hear about that? No. What's Chris Cuomo, who was a former anchor for many years on CNN. He's right? a lip driver? No, very no. He got a new Uber? job in television. I should be more specific. Uh, okay. uh, he's working on a network called News Nation. I've never heard of them, but they have supposedly uh, 200 affiliates around the country. So uh, they've got something set up and uh, he's, he's anchoring a new show and he, he opened his first program, I guess, a couple of days ago. And he had some interesting things to say in his opening monologue. So listen. Now, look, I'd like to just dive right into the issues that are being ignored at home and abroad, and we will. But obviously, this isn't a normal show start, given how I got here. So a word about that first. Shakespeare wrote in The Tempest that the past is prologue, meaning that all that has happened before led to this moment. And so it is with me being here with you tonight. I believe that. I've learned lessons, good and bad, in the past many months. I've relied on my family, my friends, my therapist, and thankfully, it's been the case that what doesn't kill us does make us stronger. I've been humbled by what happened, and I'm also hungry to do better in a way that I've never been before. So this show is going to be different than what I've done in the past because I'm different, and I've spent a lot of time looking and listening on the sidelines. It's obvious to me that we need people in my position to do more to not just play or even referee the game that is plaguing our politics and society. That means exposing the game. Show when it's played. Show how it's being played. And also to be more transparent about where my head is on the issues that we cover. Oh, I think I know where your head is, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pretty sure I do, too. Yeah. Uh, he also went on. He had more to say. Listen. The hope is to get viewers like you more involved and empowered. That's why I'm at News Nation. It's new. No group think established here. No audience that has been conditioned to favor one team or ideology. After all, News Nation refers to you, America. You are the News Nation, and we will keep the focus on your interests. As we cover the elections, we can bring it home here like no one else can. We have 200 affiliates. No one can match that number or that reach. So we can show you what's determining a race, where it's happening, not just according to paid pundits or correspondents that fly in and out or some national party headquarters speak. Here, we're all about depth of discussion. We're gonna look at what matters and why. Here and online, that's why I started the Chris Cuomo Project. It's a podcast. We're going to have longer discussions about what matters. This show and the podcast will work together.
to give you the most food for thought that we can. Well, I think he, he sounds like he's excited about his new job. I think he's excited that somebody actually rehired him. Never heard of News Nation, have you? Neither have I. I'm looking them up right now, and uh, all I can say is uh, they say they are unbiased news, uh, which I tend to say that's that's a nice claim. Well, I think they make a statement by hiring Chris Cuomo, who was— That they're biased. Yeah, we, we are biased. We just hired Chris Cuomo back, you know, unbiased yeah. news. Well, see, they got to have a name to draw to them because— News Nation coming out and go, hey, we're unbiased news. Well, the one way you do it is bring in faces you've never seen before, and maybe I would give it a shot. But then again, if I don't know the faces or news from them or these people, their names, I'm probably not going to go to it. Okay, so the former Fox News anchor, Shepard Smith, remember him? He yeah. did He did the afternoon, and he was all always the guy they went to to anchor the big events, Shepard Smith. He was the gun, but he started to let his liberalism show through at a time when Fox really was a staunch conservative network. It didn't go over well with the audience. They started to show it by not watching his programs and voicing their dissatisfaction with him on social media. And he was removed after like 20 years of being an anchor. So he went over to uh, CNBC and he was uh, excited about it. And he was going to really show everybody that he's back, but he, Nothing has happened. Nobody's watching him over well, at CNBC. Well, I was going to say, I've already for, I forgot about him a long time ago. When he made the move, that was it. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's happened in the media business. You know, somebody gets, they get all worked up over themselves. Like, uh, you know, people, they flock yes. to me. Yeah. And then you go to the competitor and the competitor is going, we're going to give you this big money because we know you're going to bring box boxcar numbers over here. Sure. Well, the train left the station, but the boxcars are still at the station. <laughs> look at, look at, I can think of like Megan, <laughs> Megan, Megan Kelly. Megan yeah. Kelly is a, a big anchor. She went over to NBC to anchor some uh, television programs and it didn't work out for her. Didn't happen. She didn't bring the audience with her. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, when they removed him from Fox. Uh, now I have to tell you, I, you look at Bill O'Reilly, he has actually found a niche for himself on the internet. He has a streaming program. He is still a, a guy that people will go and find. You know, he's a go-to guy. He's yeah. a go-to guy, uh, and I mean, he can be seen on Glenn Beck's uh, TV program and his radio program, and uh, he occasionally guests on Newsmax. So he still gets around. People still know who he is. But uh, a lot of other people who think a lot of themselves, uh, the audience doesn't follow them. They How many times do. have you seen that in radio? I've, I know guys in radio who thought that, for example, there's a big radio station here in town where I, where I live. And the station, it always was number one. Okay. But people who would get into positions, program slots like the morning show, they would start to believe that they were the ones who created the numbers in the morning. And they would start exactly. to, and they'd start becoming demanding of certain things. And then they would either be asked to leave, their contracts wouldn't be renewed, they'd go somewhere else, and they'd be surprised that the audience didn't follow them to the other station across town, and the audience stayed at KDKA. I say KDKA was the station. It, it is it is a giant radio station in western Pennsylvania, 50,000 watts. It, it, it's not a station 
that well that a- that is an institution it's kind of like when you're born in pennsylvania at least in in the pittsburgh area allegheny county if you were born in the past 40 years there you know you it's a brand they, they sit, it's like it's Kleenex. a brand yeah you know you yeah. know it's uh you you know who KDKA is, but with fifty thousand watts, I mean the the waves are going right through your brain and frying their. And you know the, the amazing thing is about the station is that is that uh, new program directors will come in, and, and they go and but they'll try to change the station, improve it. It it was number one when they came in, but they want to make it number one. It's like what. You know, what they want to do is they want to put their signature on it That's so exactly they can lay right. claim to it. And the best thing anybody can do if there's a young radio guy out there and you get an opportunity, program directors don't really exist anymore. You're a brand manager. Right. You're an operations manager. You take the you take the edicts from on high. Yes. The sad thing about AM radio, though, and even KDK now, in the, in the last 20 years, it's suffered from the, the move to FM, and they don't have that that control anymore of an audience. They don't have that dominant control. They're not the big gun in town anymore. They still they should be, but they can't. They're not because of uh, the powers that be. It's, it's right. a long story, but this guy Cuomo going over to news nation. Exactly. People think that he's going to bring an audience with him. People are going to follow over to news nation and watch Chris Cuomo. It's not going to happen for It's just, it will well, not happen. you know, he, he did say one thing. He goes, I'm a new guy. I'm a different guy. So Chris, you know, if somehow you hear this podcast, do the smart thing, be different, be new and be real. Because otherwise, it, if you're, if you're just a rehash of the same old Chris Cuomo, you're not going to get diddly squat. That's all there is to it. I just think that it's impossible for a lot of these people to change their stripes. They have been a certain type of person on television for so many years, and that's become their brand. And I don't believe they can change it. I think, for example, it's at CNN. They were just bought by a, a, a new company. They have a new CEO, Chris Litch, I believe his name is. And uh, I, I thought that what they should have done is put a whole new staff together and made a change for the entire staff immediately. They, they, could, have afford, they could afford it. But the thing is, if you're going to reposition the station, the network, you've got to do it total. You can't do it in dribs and drabs. It's just not going to work. You got to change your assignment editors. You got to change the attitude behind the camera too, because if everyone's out to get Trump for the, you know, like they're doing, and they all of a sudden want to be a neutral station and not be that out to get Trump network, they've got to change the people in the background too. Yeah, and and but I used to call the uh, grenade theory. You know, so you walk in. You need to make a change. You can't do it bit by bit by bit by bit. You throw a grenade in the room, and you blow it all up, and then you rebuild it. You know, and it sounds brutal to a lot of people who want in broadcasting. It sounds brutal when you hear us talk like that. Oh, how insensitive. All those people will be out of work. But it's it's hard to do it any other way and be successful. If you're going to change the entire, for example, how many times have you been listening to your favorite radio station? It was an oldie station. And all of a sudden one day you wake up and it's playing, uh, AC, which adult contemporary, a whole different music format. Or uh, they, they, and many times they'll change the staff overnight. Everybody's gone. 
uh, and you'll say, what happened to so-and-so? Hey, Jim Harrington used to do Afternoon Drive. Where's he now? He played all those oldies. He's gone now, whatever. But sometimes they have to do that if they want to change their image. Hey, I remember a guy that called me in one time and he goes, look, we're, you know, and I had number one numbers. He said, we're looking to make a change. And I said, well, do you want me to change things on my show? And he goes, yes, I do. I said, what do you want? He goes, I don't know, but I'll know it when I hear it. Oh God. Ultimately that job was done in two weeks. So, you (laughs) know, and that was my indication. Send out those tapes, my boy. Resumes. resumes resumes. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go to Kinko's after work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, I knew I was done because when he goes, I'll know it when I hear it. It was funny. I, I know the guy that replaced me. I actually, I I went home, had a California cooler, was sitting by the <laughs> pool going through my notes, and there was a guy staying at the corporate uh, apartment there, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in town. I'm listening to this guy, Bill Knight, and, um, you know, <laughs> he, really, he you didn't know. He didn't, know. he didn't know. He didn't know who the hell I was, and he <laughs> sat there and said, yeah, they, they wanted me to listen to him so yeah. I get a handle on what he's doing. So that, cause I've, um, we've already hammered out the deal in the contract. So the guy lied to me, Yeah, you know, he knew what exactly what he wanted and it wasn't me. So you were meeting your replacement. Was that right? I ran into my replacement. So when I oh, went I in, love it. Uh, when I went in on the Monday, I'm sitting there going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I knew it was over. I knew it was done. And, uh, I went in and did my last show and, uh, Never said anything. Speaking of being over and being done. We're done right now. We we are done right now. The difference is we're coming back tomorrow. Well, I don't know. There's a guy standing over there in a suit saying, come Uh, here. uh, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Hey. There's a guy in a suit in my house. (laughs) Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know how he got in here. Yeah. Then I'm in real trouble. Look for a badge. (laughs) Hey, buddy. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya.